Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. Hi, I'm Simon with Hope Springs Church and this is episode four of our Live Invisible series, Live Invisible Towards Our Children. Children are vulnerable. We kind of know this instinctively, uh, but I want to take you to the ancient roots of this vulnerability and talk to you about how Christianity is transformed that. And Christianity still has a role to play in transforming that even more. Jesus is still an example of how to encounter this and change the norms of society about these vulnerable ones, our children. I am a proud father of two daughters. And when my wife and I announced that we were pregnant with our second child, we got all of those well-meaning, joyful, supportive comments. Are you hoping for a boy this time? See, knowing the people that said that, I know it was absolutely innocent and there was nothing in that at all. But nagging in the back of my head was, well, once if it's a girl, should I, should I be less joyful about that? Sometimes I'd push back gently or jokingly against that kind of, are you hoping for a boy this time? And then inevitably, the, the, the follow-up, uh, well-meaning, completely innocent, supportive phrase would be, wow, gender doesn't matter, does it? As long as they're healthy. Seldom would I push back against that one because I didn't want to upset people. But kind of nagging at the back of my head again would be, well, what happens if they're not healthy? Should I be less joyful? Should I love that child less? Obviously, those sorts of statements are absolutely, as I've said, well-meaning, innocent. They're supposed to reflect joy and support of just a great occasion of announcing a pregnancy. Nobody's actually trying to say you should have a boy. You know, you don't want any girls, do you? You don't want any unhealthy children. See, I know that. But the thing is, is that sort of thinking, those sorts of um, nice uh, platitudes, if you will, they have ancient roots. In the ancient world, having a strong male progeny was important. So much so that if the child, if, if somebody had too many girls, or if the child was unhealthy, then that child was killed either there and then or left to die exposed in the wilderness sparta the ancient spartan civilization was famous for this sort of social engineering to ensure the purity of their race to ensure the strength of their breeding stock but it wasn't just the spartans this was the norm across the ancient world the greco-roman empire was full of this with very very few exceptions their greatest thinkers extolled the virtues of infanticide and exposure. Aristotle, Plato, the two great Greek thinkers that shaped even our modern thought. Seneca, the famous Roman writer, also extolled the virtues of getting rid of the excess, the unnecessary, the unneeded, the unwanted. These vulnerable, vulnerable children, these baby girls, these, these children born with health difficulties. It was the norm in the ancient world. 
It was the norm, that is, until Christianity. You see, the early church was famous for rescuing children off the, the, the city dumps, off the, the highways and the byways. The church was famous for taking in these vulnerable, disposed of ones. There are Christian catacombs beneath Rome that bear inscriptions of names that belie this sort of past. One, I can only imagine, unfortunate person was called in, 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 the, in the Greek a little shit, uh, pardon my language, but that was literally his name because he was discarded. He was a discarded one. But he wore that name with pride, recognising that he was a vulnerable one that was rescued by the church of Jesus Christ. And it's remarkable. You see, the ancient world had a view about vulnerability that was transformed by Christianity. And this is the opportunity we have today. Our vulnerable ones, our children, we can look after, we can live visible towards them with the love of Jesus Christ. So much so that society's attitude towards them could change. You see, throughout the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, this refrain of look after the widows, the orphans and the strangers. It rattles through Deuteronomy. Go look it up. How many times is the widow, the orphan and the stranger become the focus of the care of the nation? In Psalm 10, it talks about God being the defender of the fatherless, that no one should terrorise them any longer. God deeply cares about the vulnerable, which includes our children. No more so is this brought home than by Jesus Christ, who says it is to these discarded ones, these ones that are so disempowered, that are so vulnerable, that have no voice or self-determining power for themselves. He says, let them come to me. Let the children come to me. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, we know that children are vulnerable. As parents, we're here to care for them. Teachers are there to guide them. There's all sorts of support placed in society these days to look after them. But we, yet we know emphatically that they're still vulnerable. One only has to look at the, the pressures of this second wave of lockdown that is imposed. You know, the Marcus Rashford campaign that's, that exists because kids are still going hungry. That our schools, they're not just centres for education and teaching, but they're centres for pastoral support, mental health, social well-being for our children. Why is this? Because our kids are still vulnerable. And it is to these ones still that Jesus says, let these children come to me. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For us as parents, as teachers, as carers, as adults in the lives of kids. We need to pay attention to Jesus' words. We need to pay attention to Jesus' example. You see, the emphasis on, is on allowing the children to come, not policing the children's access to Jesus, but simply the letting, the great letting. See, in that passage in Matthew 19, the people of the, the village that Jesus was visiting were trying to bring their children to Jesus so that he could lay his hands on them, so that he could pray for them and bless them. But the disciples would not let them through. You know, the disciples, 
shared the views of the ancient world they lived in. They weren't bad guys. We like to kind of get down on them a bit, but they weren't bad guys. They just shared the common view, and it was normal. Why, why would Jesus, the Messiah, want to waste any time with these individuals, these children, these vulnerable ones, these castos, these, these meaningless people in society until they become adults? Why would Jesus have any time for that? He's got better things to do. Clear off. Jesus hearing this says, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to one such as these. It's amazing, isn't it? The ones that even the disciples didn't want to let near to Jesus. The ones that were so disempowered, so pushed out, so marginalised. Jesus doesn't just say, let them come to me. He gives them a role and a purpose and ownership. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is Jesus demonstrating the father heart of God for the fatherless, for the vulnerable, for the ones pushed out, for the ones disempowered. He flipped that worldview upon its head. The children aren't powerless. The children aren't disenfranchised. The children aren't vulnerable cast-offs. They're not meaningless. In fact, they're meaningful. They are the ones that own the kingdom of heaven. They have this authority. They have this power. They are given these things. They are in ownership. They have this rulership. They have this determination. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. As adults, then, we're tasked with the letting of the children come to him. We're not there to manage their approach to God, to decree to them how they should and shouldn't approach him. We're there to be faithful conduits of the presence of God. We're there to be faithful representations of Jesus to them. We're there to be windows through which our children can see Jesus Christ. Now that is a challenge. But we are there as ones with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are the ones who can daily come before the throne of grace to receive help in time of need. We are the ones that can receive that grace, that patience, that love for our children. That we could live visible towards them. So it may well be a massive challenge. And sometimes it may even seem like an onerous task homeschool anybody but what an opportunity what an opportunity so something for you to ponder then how can you live visible towards the children in your life have you ever asked them take some time to ask the children in your life how you can better represent jesus to them how you can better love them and pay attention to what they say to you it might surprise you as a child of God yourself, how do you feel that others have prohibited you from engaging with him? And how do you think this could possibly be resolved? 